Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy and for the next 45 minutes I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by James Caps. James, it's a pleasure to have you on the show again. How have you been this past week? Yeah, I'm all good. It was a pretty uh, pulsating weekend of FA Cup action. My pulse is now back to a, a solid 60 to 70 beats per minute. So yeah, I'm ready to go again, mate. And last but certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Jamie, after a 3-1 win for Spurs on Saturday, you must be happy with progress into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously a really, really tricky tie that um, for Spurs against Brighton. They're obviously a side that have been playing really well under Graham Potter this season. So to kind of come away with a, a fairly comfortable 3-1 win was, was really pleasing. Um, obviously, it was it was really disappointing to see some of the other results. You know, we could have seen some big upsets with obviously Plymouth doing very well at um, Stamford Bridge. And then, of course, Kidderminster almost upsetting West Ham. It was really disappointing to see those results just about go the, the way of the, the, the big teams. But uh, no, really interesting week of FA Cup action, but really looking forward to getting back into the Premier League action now again. Absolutely. So that's all the intros out of the way. So let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, make sure you check with freebets.com first, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And also, from a social media point of view, if you're going to place any bets this weekend, let us know at the show via the new Odds On Podcast hashtag. So who knows, we may be discussing your winners on the show next week. Right, it's time to look ahead to some Premier League action now. And although the time of recording will just kind of be a bit tight for Wednesday, there's still some Thursday action to cover in this midweek portion. So there's plenty of scope to chat about that. So first up, let's go to the clash between Liverpool and Leicester. And James, after suffering a defeat at the King Power Stadium in December, one which has slightly derailed their title hopes, the Merseyside men will be looking to exact some revenge at Anfield tomorrow night. Yeah, I can almost hear the soundbites of Liverpool players saying that they aren't thinking about exacting revenge, but we all know they are, and we're in pretty good spot to get three points, I think. Leicester, bit all over the place, they've got some injuries too, so probably the perfect game for Liverpool to blow out some cobwebs, whether or not Mo Salah makes it in time. Well, this is it, Jamie. We spoke about Leicester on last week's show and how it's just not clicking mm. for them, and then lo and behold... They collapsed, really, at Nottingham Forest. A capitulation in the first half. I know they got into the game slightly, but they were no better after the interval. So, with that defeat and what's going on at the King Power at the moment, will Brendan Rodgers need to do some soul-searching before the trip to one of his former employees on Thursday? Yeah, I mean, obviously last week we kind of tried to discuss what's the reasoning behind this. Of course, as we mentioned, they did have injuries. Um, For me, it just feels as though it's coming kind of the end of the cycle for Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, we've seen them have a number of upsets in the league over the last two seasons where they've just missed out on Champions League football. And I think that that's maybe just kind of really shattered confidence and and, and really morale at the clubs maybe quite low. Um, I'd still argue, you know, you look at the team they put out against Nottingham Forest and the players they still had available. They're still such a strong team, you know, midfield of Ndidi, Tielemans, that's a very strong midfield. You've got Dakar on the bench, you've got Pereira, Lookman, Barnes and Madison all, all, all uh, featuring as well. So they still had a very strong team and they do have a really, you know, some really talented players and you'd expect them to be doing a lot better. Um, only their real big misses were like Savardi, Fafana, but every team is missing big players. So, for me, this does kind of feel like maybe the end, the beginning of the end for, for Brendan Rodgers at um, Leicester City. I think it does maybe need a change. I think they've got such a good team and they do need to be doing much better than they are. You know, they should have 
been you know advancing in the um, in the Europa League. They should have been in the next round of that competition. They should be fighting near the top of the you know for the European spots in the Premier League, and they're just not doing that. They've got some hard fixtures coming up after Liverpool as well. They've got West Ham. They've got Wood to go to Wolves away, and that'll be a tricky game. So um, I think it's going to be a, a really tricky run for for Brendan Rodgers, and I find it very difficult to see him turning it around. Yeah, you get the feeling that it's certainly ending the cycle at the moment. Whether the man in charge at the moment is the next man to be in charge for another cycle, we don't quite know. But there's always a bit of a worry when a manager is so public with his scathing assessment of his own players, sort of saying that some of his players have kind of hit the end of the road. And you kind of think, is that the first step with it all falling apart? Yes, they were FA Cup winners last season, but now they've fallen short in that. As you say, Jamie, their charge sheet is quite bad this season and things they should be hitting, they're not. And it just seems to be all falling apart there. But... James, in terms of Liverpool, of course, they are going to want to make life worse for Leicester. It could be even worse in terms of personnel that Leicester have to face. It's reported that Mohamed Salah is going to be back in time. Sergio Mane is probably still celebrating somewhere with that Senegalese AFCON win. If one of them only plays against Leicester, is that going to make too much of a difference? I mean, it will certainly make some difference. I mean, taking Mane and potentially Salah, whether or not he plays off any side, is going to make them much weaker. But... They dealt pretty well without them over the course of January and the start of February. They won five of the six games during AFCON, including that tuna win at Arsenal in the League Cup semi-finals, as well as Premier League wins over Brentford and Crystal Palace as well. I mean, in terms of Salah, I reckon he'll probably be on the bench. I mean, I'm hoping for that in terms of my fantasy football selection because I forgot to put him back in my team. But I think he'll get some minutes if his side needs him. But as far as bets go, I'm not overly excited about a Liverpool win at 1-3. to But with Leicester having Vardy out, I think a win to nil has a chance at 7-5. to Okay then, Jamie, if there's not much in the win, there might be more in the over-under goal market on Thursday night. So what Mm. bet stands out the most here? Let's consider Leicester have, as you say, Fofana's out injured, Johnny Evans has been a long-term absentee, uh, Ricardo Mm. Pereira also, Jamie Vardy at the other end. So how does this all stack up in terms of goals? Yeah, I mean, so obviously, typically, this has been a very high-scoring fixture in the past. I mean, 12 of the last 17 meetings between the two sides have ended with over 2.5 goals. Eight of those meetings uh, were over 3.5 goals, and 11 of those were um, both teams scored. So it has been a very high-scoring fixture in the past. Um, I am expecting that again. I think Liverpool, they've averaged 2.5 goals per game at home, and they've scored in each of their 10 matches. So they're obviously a side that there will be full of goals, and especially at home. So... Um, and then Leicester, they have been really poor defensively. And as you said, without a player like Fafana, um, you know, Fafana missing, Castagna missing, um, they are two fairly key defensive players for Leicester. So um, they've, uh, they're yet to keep a clean sheet away from home. So I'm definitely expecting goals in this one. I think three point, over 3.5 goals would definitely be a good bet. I think that, um, as I said, I think both teams do have goals in them. I think Liverpool have a lot of goals in them. But defensively, you can see... Uh, Leicester being very vulnerable and um, I I expect Liverpool to take full advantage of that so over 3.5 goals I think would be quite a fairly good bet for me. Yeah I'd have to agree on that one there's certainly a bit of value in that bet I think obviously as you say 2.5 goals for Liverpool is almost de rigueur at the moment you're not going to get too much out of that so if we look at above and Leicester's own frailties that have been exposed at the weekend it could be a feast of goals on Merseyside but let's go to Molyneux now because Wolves also play host to Arsenal that same Thursday evening and James, if Bruno Large's men are going to bridge the gaps to the European places, then a win against Arsenal is going to have to be on the agenda, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, dipping into my uh, Arsenal of football cliches, this is one of those classic, you've got to be winning these kind of games games. Like and, it. Yeah, they have, they have been beating Arsenal, to be fair to them, in recent meetings. And the last two, by the score of 2-1, and they've only lost one of the last six against 
the red half of North London. But Arsenal do have the the added luxury of no longer having David Louise. I know he's made one or two mistakes against them over the years. So they might feel they can get something here as well. But goals have been a problem for the Gunners in recent weeks. Well, Jamie, we spoke about this issue last week, actually, with Aubameyang's departure. There's the concern from an Arsenal point of view, not necessarily from us as Spurs fans, but the concern will be that they are light up top, shall we say. So are they going to find themselves unstuck as soon as Thursday? I think this is a really tricky fixture for them. I mean, you look at Wolves' form recently. Um, they've won four of their last five matches. They aren't undefeated in that period. Um, they've also kept three clean sheets in the last five, of course, two of which were against Chelsea and Man City. So they're a side that, that have obviously been really good defensively. So I, I think this would be quite a low-scoring match. Um, so I, I can, yeah, as I said, a low-scoring match. But I, I think Wolves will really fancy their chances of getting something out of this game. Um, again, Arsenal, they're also a side that have been really good defensively. So I, I kind of feel as though it'll be a very even game, a low-scoring game. And uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely kind of expecting maybe a draw for this one. Well, James, Wolves' MO is low scoring this season, but it's not all bad because they don't give away much at the other end either. Let's look at their record this season in terms of goals for and against. 19, which is not a lot at all really, it's less than a goal a game at the moment, but 16 against at the other end is arguably doing all the hard work for them at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you always say that great sides are always built on solid defences. I mean, the late great Brian Clough is always a big champion of that, but... I can't be the only one that thinks that natural variance has got to take hold of them at some point and that they'll inevitably begin conceding a few and also, to be fair to them, start scoring a few more goals as well. Although that defence will need to be at its robust best over the next few weeks at least because they face Arsenal twice along with Spurs, West Ham and also Leicester as well. So if they do come through that period and are still within touching distance of Europe, then they have a great chance of going somewhere this season. And Jamie, you alluded to the fact that there's not going to be many goals at Molyneux, so... I think the first goal could be the most important. It might be the only one. So with that in mind, who would you be placing your money on in the first goal scorer market? Well, I think that so obviously the two favourites, uh, Lacazette and, and Jimenez, but they're definitely two players that I'm, I'm not sure I'd really look at. Um, so I've gone for Daniel Pedence at 10 to 1, which obviously quite long odds. Um, but both sides, as, as we said, they don't really have two outstanding goal scorers. So um, I've gone for Daniel Pedence. He's, you know, he's got four goals to his name this season. Um, he's got Wolves' best uh, goal ratio in terms of nine, average every 90 minutes. He's got their best shot accuracy. Um, he, of course, scored the winning goal at the Emirates last season against them so he's got a good record against them um, and then of course he was I think he was very influential I remember watching him against Manchester United at Old Trafford in their 1-0 win I thought he was really influential in that game so and, and I think he's a fantastic player so I think he'll be the guy to make the difference on on Thursday for Wolves and I think he'll be the first goal scorer. Okay you mentioned a potential long shot there that leads us nicely to our long shot acker of the week so once again let's try and pick something between roughly 2-1 to one and 5-1 to one. doesn't have to be bang on but Let's go for that kind of range. So let's start with Jamie. Jamie, what have you got for me, which is a bit of a hit and hope? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I've gone for West Ham to beat Leicester um, and for over 2.5 goals. I think that, as we mentioned, Leicester, they're in a really tricky run of form. They've, of course, got uh, a tough game on, on Thursday evening as well. So I think that they'll certainly be feeling the effects of that. I think West Ham... They obviously got that win. Uh, they got that win against Watford as well, so they'll kind of be feeling boosted. So I definitely think that West Ham will be able to come out with the win, um, even even if the game's at the King Power. Of course, their last two games at the King Power, Leicester, they have uh, given away leads. So 
I'm expecting West Ham to win this one. They're both sides that have conceded goals, so I'm kind of expecting a couple of goals in the game as well. Uh, Leicester, they've averaged um, 1.45 goals per game uh, conceded, and West Ham have conceded uh, 1.29 goals uh, away from home on average. So, yeah, I'm expecting a couple of goals, but definitely a West Ham win as well. I like the sound of that one. And James, on the same token, what have you got for me? Yeah, I mean, I might be mad or I might be displaying symptoms of Roy Hodgson fever because I'm going for a Watford win over Brighton. I know, Dan, that you're a fan of Watford as well. So I thought you might like this one. The home win is 5-2, which I don't think is all that bad at all now. It looks like they're getting their defensive act together a little bit. They've got that first clean sheet in about 400 games against Burnley the other day. And Brighton, not in great form. One win in seven and one clean sheet in 11, which rhymes very nicely. And we all know Watford have a goal in them. So, yeah, I think that represents a pretty good value bet this weekend. Staying on the topic of Watford then, James, did you watch them play against Burnley? Because I know you mentioned under 1.5 goals. I mean, that's probably the easiest bet you'll ever make after watching that performance. Absolutely. And uh, I'm pretty pleased to say I placed a grand total of zero pounds. Ah. Zero. <laughs> Which is always the case with my winning selections. But uh, I think I had um, a few walls of paint that needed I needed to watch dry that night. So I unfortunately missed that one. Uh, well, I mean... I didn't watch it. I saw the score and I thought, well, it's not even worth putting on match today or whatever the FA Cup highlights were, a bonus game. You, t- you say bonus, there was no bonus about it. Again, sorry to any Burnley or Watford fans who may be listening, but I mean, it was, the football was agricultural. The rain didn't help. It was just a game to forget. But a point for both teams. However, their plight has been sort of worsened in the last 24 hours or so, which we'll get to later on because I need to do my long shot pick now. I'm going to go for Brentford at 8-5 to five to beat Crystal Palace at the weekend. Now, at the time of recording, they go to Manchester City on Wednesday night. So there's every chance they'll lose a sixth game in seven league matches. Now, we shouldn't make too many assumptions, but with the time of the game, you kind of have to. So let's let's assume that. And then you kind of think to yourself, OK, well, they're facing Palace, who have been decent, but they're not quite getting points either. And at the time of recording, they've only got one league win in six themselves, I believe. So things aren't going great for them. And I'm a big believer that runs have to end at some point. So I just think that with both clubs, not quite in a relegation battle yet, but they will need to kind of pick up the pace a little bit because the teams below are all kind of collectively waking from slumbers. It's getting a little bit tasty at the bottom, whereas before it looked like three or four teams going down. It looked cut and thrust. Now, not so sure. So I think Brentford are going to bounce back this weekend and get a win at 8-5 to five against Crystal Palace. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers, enhanced odds, from all the leading bookmakers. Right, with Thursday's preview out of the way, it's now full steam ahead to the weekend. And before we go to the Premier League, I just want to take a quick detour to the sunny climbs of the Club World Cup in the United Arab Emirates. So, again, if we make a slight assumption, and if it's wrong, I'll edit it. So let's say that Chelsea do get the better of Al Hilal on Wednesday afternoon, those powerhouses there. Jamie, what does that mean for the final against Palmeiras? Yeah, I mean, a fairly interesting one. I mean, obviously, you'd expect Chelsea to win this one, being the bigger and, and uh, bigger and stronger club. Um, however, they've obviously had this this kind of strange run of form recently. They against Plymouth, they were very kind of very fortunate to come out of that one with the win. Um, they did get that win over Spurs. However, if you look at Spurs' recent form at Stamford Bridge, I think that was a fairly standard win for them. They, of course, they drew with Brighton as well. So. They're a team that kind of their forms all over a bit over the place recently, and kind of their perform. It's more the performances have, have been really disappointing. So, um, I, th- I think it'd be fairly interesting to see if, if Chelsea were to get through to the final. But I think they just have enough quality to, to beat Palmeiras. Um, of course, Palmeiras they beat Al Alai 
um, and they were fairly fortunate to do so. They did win 2-0 in the end, but um, our lie, they had more possession, they had more attempts, they made more passes. So um, I, I do think that if, if Chelsea are to get through and uh, I, I think they'll win the final fairly comfortably, um, I, I don't think Palmeiras should cause them too many problems. But as, as we said, you know, to, they just scraped past through Plymouth. So it should be like for a fairly interesting game, but I'm expecting a Chelsea win. James, it's fair to say, I think, that the South American teams hold this competition in far greater regard. In Europe, it's, I guess, considered a bit of a nuisance. Like, oh, we have to go and play in the Club World Cup. Whereas this means pretty much everything to South America because they can hold on to the mantle of being, in inverted commas, the best club in the world. So can you see at all the Brazilian outfit getting one over Thomas Tuchel's men at the weekend? Well, at the risk of upsetting our Brazilian listeners over <laughs> Paulo, I haven't really watched a great deal of Palmeiras, but the South American sides kind of need to take it a bit more seriously than the European sides in order to create like a bit more of an equaliser between the two sides. But it's no, it's no coincidence that Champions League winners have gone on to win all of the last eight Club World Cups, although Chelsea were the last European side to lose in the final, and it was against Brazilian opposition as well in the form of Corinthians, but that said, if, if Chelsea show up at anything close to their capacity, then they should be fine, and Thomas Tuchel doesn't strike me as the, the sort of manager to allow standards to slip when there's silverware up for grabs, so I think they'll get the job done here. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, as I say, Chelsea aren't going to just turn up on a jolly. There will be demands to go and win the trophy, but it's just not their top priority. But again, silverware is silverware and it feeds the machine that keeps the momentum going and it might sort of help them in their pursuit of the Champions League. But that's the Club World Cup covered for another year, I guess. We won't be coming back to that till next year, but let's focus on the Premier League because we are now at the weekend stage. Midweek portion behind us. It's full thrust to Saturday and Sunday. So there's nine matches to choose from because Chelsea and Arsenal has been postponed. So let's pick out the bones of the best. And I think we need to go to Goodison Park first. And regular listeners are probably thinking, why are they talking about Everton again? But it's because they're giving us so much mileage. So big shouts to everyone at Everton, because after Tuesday's night showing against Newcastle, James, can we officially now say that they are in the relegation battle? Well, well there's only so many times I can say, yeah, Everton will be all right before I start to look a little bit daft. <laughs> There's, 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 there's only, well, they're only three points clear of the relegation zone, and you'd have to say that all the four sides below them are on a much more upward curve than the Toffees, and you do worry a bit for them with Lampard at the helm. He obviously had a glittering playing career and has had a decent managerial career so far, but he won't be all too experienced in dealing with or even being in dressing rooms that are going through sustained runs of poor form. I mean, you'd think he could inspire some confidence in, in this team. He's that type of manager who can motivate players, but... You can't change the team overnight and Everton fans, unfortunately, they might have to suffer a little bit longer before things get better. Well, Jamie, if that is to be the case, things are only going to get more interesting this weekend as they play host to Leeds and it's shaping up to be another all-important encounter at the bottom of the table. Not quite a six-pointer, but if we paint this scenario, if Leeds mm -hmm. lose, they're kind of thrust right into the mix of relegation again and it's not just three or four teams really scrapping. It could be as many as six or seven. If Everton lose, they're in a much worse plight than they're are already in because let's think it's what six points from 42 mm. that's two wins from just 14 league matches I know Lampard's been responsible for one but he has inherited mm. a huge mess can he dig them out of it yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the teams kind of coming up from behind them, uh, both both those sides, of course, you've got Burnley who have a game in hand over them. They've uh, they've now undefeated in their last three matches. So they're potentially a side that will be 
fancying that fancying their chances of maybe staying up this season. And of course, you've got Newcastle who really looking like they're turning it around under Eddie Howe. So they're two sides that will certainly be in pursuit of Everton and, and Leeds. So maybe you know a, a defeat on the weekend for either side really will drag them into it. Um, I think with Everton, they're obviously their away form has been really poor this year. Anyway, they've only they've you know they've only won nine percent of their matches. So I think that's like two. I think they've only won twice away from home. So really, really poor this season away from home. At, um, at home, I think they are a better side. We of course saw them uh, defeat Brentford pretty comfortably in the FA Cup. So um, I, I think that they'll they'll fare better a lot at, at Goodison Park. But yeah, this is an interesting one, really. I mean, Leeds they've been in very mixed form recently. They've of course got that fantastic win at West Ham. Um, they have won two of their last three as well. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to kind of see what happens with this one. I mean, with Everton, you know, they, they do seem to have a lot of very good individuals. It'll be now whether Frank Lampard has that opportunity. You know, we obviously get that time to um, see if they can gel together. Of course, with players like Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison up front. And then, of course, you've got Van der Beek now in midfield. I think defensively, they've got fairly solid um, they've got fairly solid players, so it'll be. In, I think it's going to take a bit of time for him to see if they can gel together. But on the weekend, uh, or, or in this one, definitely expecting. Uh, I, th- I think a draw for this one, and, and again another high-scoring game. I think both sides have averaged over. Uh, they've uh, averaged over three goals per game as well. So definitely a high-high-scoring game this one. James, could it be a case where two teams are rather nervy due to their situations, and they end up cancelling each other out? I'm not inclined to think so personally, just because of the way Frank Lampard likes to likes to play with his teams. They play with quite a bit of attacking freedom, and I think you can say something quite similar in terms of Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds. They play with a lot of energy. They play quite a high tempo. So I think they'll once the whistle's blown, I think they'll forget about the potential ramifications of relegation and all that. And I think we'll actually be served up with quite an entertaining game. I'm not sure at all which way it's going to go, but either way, I think it's going to be a pretty decent one. And Jamie, in terms of Leeds, how big an issue will injuries be for, for them? Or how big has it been? Because if you consider the likes of Bamford and Phillips have been out for quite a while now, and I know Bielsa was kind of made public about the fact he's frustrated with Bamford's lack of fitness or lack of appearances this season. So is that going to be a key issue for them in this final portion of the campaign? Yeah, I, I do think so. I mean, missing a player like Patrick Bamford is always going to be huge. He's kind of the the guy that's going to get them the goals as well. And then, of course, they're without Calvin Phillips as well, who is a massive miss. I mean, he's that type of midfielder that is that kind of maybe sometimes goes a bit under the radar how important he is to a team. But I, I just remember watching him um, when when Spurs when they came to Spurs and uh, he was you know he was by far and away their best player in, during that match. I mean, just in, sitting in the midfield, he was so important. So. Those are two really key players that they are missing. So definitely injuries have been really bad for them. At the moment, they are only doubt. I think they're missing maybe five players at the moment. So not as bad as it has been all season. They have been so unfortunate with injuries this year. Um, so it was also a bit strange that they didn't do anything in the, in the transfer window either. I mean, you, you think with how unfortunate they have been with injuries, you'd have maybe thought they'd have looked to have added to their squad, but they didn't. Um, Junior Firpo is another player who's missing a, a very good fullback as well. So... Yeah, I think injuries injuries have definitely played a big part for Leeds this year. I think if they had those players available, they'd be higher up the table. But they've obviously they are missing those players, and uh, they're missing three key players, and and maybe that might play a part on against Everton. Well, of course, we shouldn't forget the team that Everton lost to on Tuesday. That, of course, being Newcastle. And after earning back-to-back wins for the first time since the end of last season, the question is, James, can they make it three in a row against Aston Villa at the weekend? 
Well, they certainly can. I think Aston Villa are an, an OK side, perhaps a little bit overrated by one or two. And they haven't won at St. James's Park for, I think it's 16 years. But I'm inclined to think this will be a low scoring one, whichever way it goes. The last 12 meetings between these two, I've seen under 2.5 goals. And with Villa not having a great record at Newcastle, I'm inclined to think this could be a nil-nil or one-all job. OK then, Jamie, in terms of the relegation market, we spoke about this last week and I believe Newcastle were 15-8 to last week. So that win against Everton on Tuesday has pushed them out to 2-1. to So a gradual change, but a change all the same. So does it look like things are starting to click under Eddie Howe? Because it was kind of... The football was better to start with, but the points mm. weren't there. And everyone was saying, oh, wow, look at this progress which is being made. But really, you can only start to measure progress with, with points. It's all very well playing well, but if you're not getting results, it means nothing in the grand scheme of things. So now he can back that up and say, yes, I'm getting results. There's a head of steam. If you look at the break they had that was afforded to them after their cup exit, might have been the best thing that happened to them because they managed to go out to Saudi Arabia, have a week off, really sort of get together as a squad. You've got the new signings. They mm. took fortune of a poor Everton admittedly, but things are starting to click. You look at that and the victory over Leeds and they are moving in the right direction. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, they've, they've now got a settled 11 as well, which I think is really important. I think having that consistency and kind of being able to play, out, uh, play produce the same side each week, that's, that's really important. I think in the transfer window, they added in key areas, of course, um, adding Kieran Trippier at right back, they've got in that fant- I think fantastic signing in Bruno Gomeres. So of course they beat a number of u- top European clubs to get. I think when he's kind of brought into the fold, I think that he'll add a lot to their midfield. They of course added a, a goal scorer in Chris Woods, who he's not yet to score, but um, you know let let's see what what happens. I think he's definitely you know Premier League proven. I think that that's so important um, to, to have. I mean. Always something when, you know, I've been on other podcasts and discussed maybe Tottenham, always banged on about getting Premier League proven. And I think it's that's so important for these clubs. So to get in a player like Chris Wood, I think it's an interesting one. They've, of course, got Matt Target as well at left back. I think um, you see Jamal Lewis probably wasn't quite good enough. Matt Target, I think he's done a good job at Aston Villa. Um, so I think they, they added really well in January as well. And I think just having that consistent eleven. Great January additions and, of course, more ambition as well. I think that was something that, that Newcastle fans were so critical of, of, of uh, previous managers, um, was just kind of how rigid they were and how un- uninspiring the football was. But now, you know, they're, they're out, you know, they're, they're having more attempts on target than their, their opposition. They're just playing more expansive football. So I think that they'll be, you know, much boosted kind of uh, Newcastle fans in, in seeing more attractive football, seeing better players as well. So, um, yeah, I, I think they're definitely a side that, that will be looking upwards now. And as we said, for Everton and Leeds, I think Newcastle are a side that probably going to be on the up. So um, I think that, that they're definitely a side to kind of watch out for Newcastle now in terms of maybe starting to climb the table. Yeah, I think they are making the right progress at just the right time. As I say, it's been slow, but they're going in the right direction and they've got momentum. And at this point of the season, that's exactly what you need. It's going to be an interesting dynamic between Sam Maximan and Chris Wood because obviously you've got someone who's great in the air and someone who's great with the ball at his feet and they don't really kind of mesh together well. So from Chris Wood's point of view, he's probably screaming for the ball to be lofted into the box and him to smash home and get his first goal. But Sam Maximan loves that cut in. He didn't get a goal against Everton. He probably should have had a goal because he had so many chances. But you have to slightly wonder, are they going to get the best out of Chris Wood when also playing Sam Maximan? So before we move on, I'd like to get a correct score bet from you both. So I don't care where it is. It could be anywhere in the world. James, whether you want to go to back to Guatemala or not, I don't mind. The floor is yours. But what do you reckon is your correct score of this weekend? Well, I was just, I was just briefly going to say about 
Alan Samaxman and, and Chris Wood. It's like uh, going to a restaurant and having caviar and mashed potato on a side. But yeah, in terms of a, a correct score, but I'll, I'll stay. I'll go back to the script. Don't worry. I'm going to the, the championship and I'm heading to sunny South Yorkshire for Barnsley versus Queens Park Rangers. The Tigers really struggling at the foot of the table, which as a Derby fan is absolutely delightful to see. But QPR are in great form away from home. They've won the last four on the road and all by the same scoreline, actually. It's 4-2-1 wins on the spin. So I'm going to go for the same again. 2-1 QPR is 8-1 with most of the bookies. Good shout. And Jamie, what have you got for me, mate? Yeah, I'm going back to kind of a game that we discussed earlier, Wolves versus Arsenal. I think this is a really, really interesting one. Of course, both sides that are strongly pushing for Europe. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be a low-scoring match. I think it's going to be a very tight affair. So I've gone for one all between the two sides. Um, Again, you know, uh, Arsenal, they've kept three clean sheets in the last five matches. Wolves, the same. So... Low scoring match for sure, um, and I'm going for one all. James, you mentioned Derby County very quickly there. What do you make of the news that Mel Morris has asked Middlesbrough and Wickham to take him to court rather than Derby to court? Do you reckon that can finally unlock the the mess, which is the finances for any prospective buyer? Because if that is sort of taken away or siphoned out from the purchase that needs to be made, could that ease the logjam? Well, that has kind of been the sticking point. There's been two or three interested parties in, in purchasing Derby County, and the main sort of impasse has been that they don't want to to deal with the claims from Wickham and Middlesbrough. I think I saw reports in the press that Middlesbrough were seeking upwards of £40 million in their particular claim. So, yeah, I mean, that, that almost doubles and even triples the, the price of the club if Middlesbrough, in the most unlikely of cases, actually go on and, and win those claims in a court. But Mel Morris has kind of been in hiding for the last sort of four or five months since the club went into administration. So it was a bit of a surprise to see him come out of left field and actually, you know, make this make this offer. But a lot of things still have to happen for it for it to get to court. I mean, Steve Gibson actually has to, you know, Steve Gibson has to agree to it even going to going to court in the first place. So I mean it, it's you know, it's it's uh it's, it's a drop in the ocean compared to what Mel Morris could have done to to save the club. But I guess it, it is a step in the right direction if anything. And Jamie, staying in the championship, my long shot bet last week was Blackburn to win away at Swansea. Odds of 2-1, to one, they lost. So no money for me, no three points for Rovers. Has that scuppered their hopes of Premier League automatic promotion? I, I think so somewhat, yes. I mean, if you look at the, the teams behind them, Bournemouth and QPR, they're both kind of queuing up now there. Uh, QPR are two points behind them. Uh, Bournemouth are just a point behind them. And both teams have two games in hand over them now. So I think that QPR and Bournemouth will definitely be fancying their chances of, of taking Blackburn's spot. Of um, Blackburn, they have only won twice in their, in their last five as well. So, um, you know, that's not particularly formed that, that you'll kind of, you know, as a side really push a promotion. I don't think that's quite good enough. So I think with the two sides kind of um, coming up behind them in QPR and Bournemouth, I think that definitely has got to hurt their chances of promotion for sure. OK, let's move back to the Premier League now and some more interesting stories that could happen over the course of the weekend. What about Carrow Road? Because Man City travel to Norwich. It's the Davids versus the Goliaths, the Haves versus the Have-Nots, the Big Fish versus the Minnows, whatever cliche you want to use. But we shouldn't forget that Norwich did get the better of City by three goals to two in September of 2019. So, with Dean Smith now at the helm, it's two wins in a row at the time of recording. That could change by the time they play Crystal Palace in midweek. But, James, can they do the same once again this Saturday? There probably are way worse bets than Norwich this weekend. They're 20-1 to at some places to take three points. Not that I think they will. City just 
playing a different game to everybody else at the minute. But there's surely some value in that price one way or the other. A plus three head start for the Canaries and handicaps is four to six. And that would have been a winner in three of the last four meetings at Carrow Road in the Premier League. And there's even merit for having to go on the City win and both teams scoring at two to one. Just the one clean sheet in five for City. And Norwich have scored in four of their last five. So I think that one has some legs. But don't get me wrong, City should be winning this comfortably. But they're off to Portugal to face Sporting in the Champions League next midweek. So there's a chance they'll have one eye on that one. Jamie, if we look at the other side of Manchester, will United be in the right frame of mind against Southampton? Because let's not forget, they have lost to Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. They should have bounced back against Burnley, but they drew at Turf Moor. So it's been a rather torrid week for the Red Devils. Can they end it on a good note? Yeah, I mean, look, you look at all the sides now, uh, or certainly the four teams really trying to compete for that final fourth space fourth place spot they've really kind of been messing it up over over recent weeks of course Spurs losing to Chelsea Arsenal during their last match Man United as you said drawing at Burnley uh, West Ham having lost two of their last five so all these teams are kind of doing their best to maybe throw this this uh, fourth place spot away but Man United I mean yeah their form is just kind of really all over the place at the moment uh, I think this will be a fairly tricky game as well um, I think Saints they've been in fairly good form recently they of course ended Man City's 12 game win streak with a one all draw um, at St Mary's so they're certainly a side that will kind of um, I think they'll definitely cause Manchester United some problems. They were, of course, due to play Spurs during midweek, uh, Southampton. So be interesting to see how they get on in that one as well. But um, I think Man United, they'll probably just about have enough quality, especially with the game being at Old Trafford as well. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely expecting Southampton to give them somewhat of a game. Well, it certainly changed the shape of the top four race, hasn't it? Because obviously West Ham go back into fourth with their win over Watford. Man United down to fifth. But then you've got Tottenham and Arsenal playing in the midweek portion after United. So their plight could get worse and it might kind of make the, the top four market even more interesting because at one point Arsenal were three to one. You had Tottenham and Man United on the same odds of about seven to four. So there could be some fluctuation in that before the start of the weekend. And of course, when the results of the weekend pan out, it could be all different. So by the time we come back next week, I'm sure that'll be a topic to discuss. But another topic to discuss, James, is Brentford versus Crystal Palace. I gave my logic as to what I think will happen in West London. It's not the most heated of London derbies, shall we say. It's probably one of the, the less heated London derbies, but it's still important to those two teams. What will be the lie of the land this weekend? Yeah, part of me kind of died and left my body when you were talking about how you think Brentford will take three points in this one. But there's something about Crystal Palace. Every time I look at the, the coupon at the weekend, they just jump out of me. They always look like the decent value, but I don't know. It must be the charm of Patrick Vieira or something because they're in pretty pretty crap form to be honest just two wins in the last 11 prem games but Brentford are in even worse shape to be honest they've lost five in a row and eight of their last 10 so I like Palace you know two to one to win this one it's a bit of a coin flip fixture so in those cases you've kind of got to go for the value pick and that's the Eagles all day long interesting we'll see who's right next week then it might be a draw we might be both wrong but Jamie let's go to uh, Vicarage Road because Roy Hodgson Two matches under his belt as Watford manager. One point, but we must caveat that with two away trips, that being Burnley and West Ham. So it's his first home game this weekend. Can he deliver a first home win or do you see this going a different way? What's your tale of the tape at Vicarage Road? 
Mm. Yeah, um, I, I think this would be. A, I think this would be an. In, it's definitely an interesting one. Um, I, I, for me, I think, as I said earlier, I think Brighton are a side that are playing really well at the moment. I definitely think that Brighton will will definitely edge this one. Um, but Watford, of course, I look at their attacking players, and I do quite like a lot of them. I mean, you look at Ismail Assar. I think he'll be coming back from the Afcon soon, so um, he'll be a really crucial player for Watford if they have any chance of staying up this year. Um, they've of course got Dennis, Emmanuel Dennis, who's who's kind of. I think he's having a very good, uh, a fairly decent season, so attacking-wise. And then, of course, Josh King, Jal Pedro as well. So they've got some really nice attacking players, but just defensively, they've just been so poor this season. I think they've conceded 41 go- goals in total, which is the third worst defensive record in the league. Um, and then their midfield, I think, is incredibly uninspiring as well. Um, so I-, I really think that Watford are a side that will go down this year. Um, and I, I just struggled to kind of see um, defensively. They're just not quite good enough. And uh, I think against Brighton, I think Brighton are a side that have, as I said, really impressed me this year. And uh, I, I can't see anything past a Brighton win, unfortunately. Well, I think it was a stunning stat that I read on the other side of the Saturday game at Burnley. I think it was their first clean sheet of the season. And that is kind of just mm. screams relegation, really, doesn't it? Yes, they've got players that are handy in attack, the likes of Josh King, Emmanuel Dennis. But their defence seems to just do any hard work they do up top and it just mm. makes life so much more difficult for them because they can't be shipping to every game. And I know Roy has kind of addressed that slightly in the small sample of games that he's working with, but that can't just be the exception. It's got to be the rule. And then you kind of wonder, is there enough time to sort of turn things around? Roy is a kind of man who likes to put building blocks in place and then progress, but you just kind of wonder if time is going to go against him. Time's going to go against us to cover the rest of the Premier League, but don't forget there is Tottenham Wolves, Burnley versus Liverpool and Leicester West Ham this weekend. Three interesting fixtures for a multitude of different reasons up and down the table. But before we kind of wrap up, I just want to go north of the border, actually. I don't think we've been north of the border yet. So let's go to the top of the table there. Because last week's Old Firm clash has had a seismic effect on the Scottish Premiership table. The question is, James, are you plumping for Big Ange or Giovanni Van Bronckhorst to win a first ever league title in Scotland? You've almost certainly got to go with Celtic at the minute. They haven't lost in... I think it's 19 Premiership games. And that win over Rangers felt like a bit of a watershed moment for this side. They went on to beat Motherwell 4-0 a few days later and uh, started to really click into gear as an attacking force. And even before the old firm, Rangers weren't in particularly great shape. They had to be patient to get a bit of a laboured 1-0 win over Livingston before conceding deep into stoppage time against Ross County to draw 3-3. And the, the jury's very much out amongst Rangers fans when it comes to Gio Van Bronckhorst. And I think that uncertainty is just starting to filter down to the players a bit at the minute at Ibrox. Well, Jamie, let's look at the current state of play in Scotland. As James alluded to, Rangers weren't in great form before that destroyed performance they offered against Celtic Mm. a week or so ago. So it was a six-point lead. It's now a one-point deficit. That means the outright market has Celtic at 4-7 on, Rangers at 13-8. The momentum shift has been clear for all to see. So can you see Rangers pegging them back or will the manner of that recent defeat be one that really stings them in the end? Yeah, I, I think as well, I'm going to go with Celtic. I think they'll probably just about have the edge in the end. I mean, look, they've been fantastic defensively this season. They've only conceded 13 goals, which is is, is incredibly impressive. Um, 12 of their last 
30 matches have seen them win. So they are in fantastic as form as, uh, as well as that. So you look at Rangers' form, as you said, they've only won twice in the last five. They are now maybe starting to lose a bit of ground on Celtic. Um, the only thing I might say in terms of what might go in Rangers' favour, of course, Celtic, they are in the Europa Conference League and maybe they'll have an easier passage to, in terms of getting to the, going deeper in that competition. Rangers, they've got to um, play Borussia Dortmund, which you kind of expect them to go out in the earlier stages. So Celtic maybe going deeper in Europe. I think that that might kind of... Um, uh, help Rangers somewhat in terms of Celtic well, obviously you know playing Thursday and then again on the weekend I think that that's always a very tricky thing to do so that might be the only thing that really goes in, in Rangers Rangers's favour but uh, I, I think Celtic they've just been fantastic this year and as, as I said with 12 wins in the last 13 they're just in incredible form recently so I'm going for Celtic with this one. Yeah, I mean, let's look at the start of Celtic's season under Big Ange. I think it was, what, three defeats in the first six matches? And some quarters thought, oh, hang on, we've got this wrong. But perseverance has been key. And Big Ange himself said that you have to be perfect in the Scottish Premiership. You can't afford to drop points. And while Rangers have been stuttering along, Celtic have just found an extra gear and another gear and another gear. And they are where they are for good reason. So it's going to be a real interesting battle to win that league. And also, the carrot at the end of the season is entry into the Champions League. I think it's the playoff round to start with, which is huge for Scottish football. Usually they have to work their way through so many qualifying rounds. I think they'll be one game away or one tie away from actual group stage appearance. So the money that is going to be attached to that, winning the league this season, is going to be huge. And of course, if any of these games have taken your interest over the course of the weekend or coming up to the weekend or even the competitions, anything really, check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this big weekend of football. Okay, the final bit of business is our odds on threefold as we all pick a leg each and combine it into our acca. Let's try and once again go for bets over one to two on, but less than evens. We just want to keep it nice and tight, nice and odds on. If we can try and get a first combined winner over the line. Hibs let me down last weekend, so apologies to their boys. But what have you got for me this week, Jamie? So I'm sticking with the Premier League and I'm going to go for my own team, Tottenham. I'm going for Spurs to beat Wolves at home on the weekend um, at four to six. Um, at the moment, Spurs fans were just loving life under Antonio Conte. Um, the performances have been fantastic and results are starting to, to finally arrive as well. Um, so many improved performances, um, as I said at the start of the show. Um, we got that fantastic 3-1 win over Brighton. That was a, a really great result given the form of Brighton. So, um, yeah, I'm back in Spurs to go and win again on the weekend against Wolves. And James, what have you got for me, mate? Well, I'm back in my safe haven of the Championship and I can't knock back Fulham at the minute. One defeat in 18, scoring goals for fun and Alexander Mitrovic scored his 30th goal of the season on Tuesday night and they head to Hull at the weekend who have suffered back-to-back defeats and were absolutely dreadful in their 3-1 loss at Derby in midweek and I'm pretty surprised at the price for a Cottage's away win actually. I think 3-4 to four is rather generous. OK, I'll bring up the slack and go for Manchester United to beat Southampton at odds of 1-2. to two. I think, I know it's not been a great week for them we referenced that, but Southampton do like a draw at best. They've won a few games this season. I think it's 10 draws. It's not really enough for them to kind of land much of a, a blow on Man United, especially away from home. I know they drew to Man City at home recently, Southampton, but I think United will dig themselves out of the hole they've found themselves in in the past week, and they'll get that win. Hopefully, all three of us combined will get our first Acker victory of the season because we need it we're not looking much experts at the moment are we but let's hope that's the case when we come back next week so that brings us to full time i just need to do the admin before we wrap up as mentioned before if any of these bets take your fancy make sure you visit the free bets website also use the odds on podcast hashtag 
for any bets you want to make. We can look through those in the week and hopefully chat about your winners next week. And also I need to thank my duo of top guests. So James, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. As always, cheers, Dan. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Thanks, Dan. Cheers, guys, and also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.